European inflation has slowed. Let's call it Euroflation. It's coming down faster than expected. But in the US, bond yields are rising as though there are second thoughts about cuts happening next year. Did the Fed's John Williams have something to do with that? OPEC Plus are going for deeper cuts. And China, has the recovery hope gone away? Are they walking backwards to Christmas? There's one for the Spike Milligan fans. It's Friday, the 1st of December, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar all of a sudden is back on the rise. It's up 0.8% today on the DXY, rebounding from a three-month low. This might explain it. The euro is down 0.8%. The pound is down 0.6%, but the Aussie dollar down just 0.1%, almost back to just over 66 US cents. And bond yields higher, more in the US than Europe, so 10-year treasuries are actually up 10 basis points, whereas 10-year bond yields are only up two, but up eight for 10-year gilts in the UK. Aussie 10 years were up five yesterday to four. closer to 4.5% on futures overnight. And shares are mixed. The Dow closed up 1.5%. The S&P up 0.4%. The Nasdaq down a quarter percent, whereas the Dow action in Europe was firmly up 0.3% for the DAX and the Eurostox 50 and 0.4% for the FTSE 100. And falls in oil, curiously today. WTI is down 2.4%. Brent down 0.3% to just below 83 a barrel. Uh, JP Weir, Sally all joins me. I'm curious about oil. Sally, because um, we know now the Wall Street Journal has been reporting uh, an hour or two back that OPEC Plus has agreed to significant oil production cuts. So an extra million barrels a day on top of the million barrels that they announced back in June, uh, which is going to be extended. Uh, Prices did bounce a bit, but they haven't held. Maybe they think it's not going to happen. That's the only conclusion you can draw, isn't it? That's right. Good morning, Phil. Yes, it's a, it's a bit of an odd one. So this is the the delayed meeting that was meant to happen uh, maybe a week or so ago um, and happened, as you said, just overnight. Um, and what was interesting about that is that in the actual written communique that came out of OPEC, there was no mention of the production cut. So I think the market is sort of saying this is, sounds a little bit more like a gentleman's agreement rather than a true commitment to cut, uh, to cut output. Um, and hence, you know, the market's probably a little bit concerned that there's there's sort of no real way to, I guess, be sure that um, this is actually going to happen, and hence why you know the oil price perhaps hasn't reacted as as it normally might uh, in response to news of an output cut. Yeah, yeah. All right. Strange to see yields as well uh, going in the direction they are when you'd assume that the expectations for rate cuts next year would be at least confirmed by the uh, the core PCE number, which rather boringly came in as expected, 3% year-on-year for October, down from 3.4%. Core was down uh, to 3.5%, down from 3.7%. Uh, so I think, um, you know, there was a tiny increase month-on-month month in the core PCE. It was up 0.2%. I don't know whether that spooked markets or whether it's more central bank speak. What is it that's uh, that's uh, pushing uh, bond yields higher today? Well, it's probably something like, you know, see all of the above, but... I think you know, the the headline and and core numbers broadly came in as expected, so there wasn't much to see there. Um, but when you look at the the three month annualized rate of the core PCE deflator, it's now at two point four percent. So we're getting pretty close in annualized terms to to where the Fed wants to see that number. I think um, probably you know the biggest story for bond yields overnight was just the fact that we've had a really big rally um, in in the last couple of weeks, and the market has priced in a lot in terms of Fed rate cuts. So. You know, we were sitting at over 100 basis points of cuts price for 2024, um, and and I think you know the the news on last night's inflation number was pretty much already in the price. So, 
I think the only thing that really probably would have got um, you know bond yields a whole lot lower is if we'd had you know a meaningful downside surprise. But as it is, those numbers broadly as expected, and so um, didn't really didn't really give the market much headroom to move further. And John Williams uh, from the New York Fed. Well, I mean, he wasn't saying uh, that they're going to push rates up any higher, but he also, you know, he was in that camp of, yeah, but we're not going to bring him down in a hurry either. Uh, he said, and I quote, it's always hard quoting uh, Fed speakers, isn't it, without finding uh, finding yourself falling asleep while you do it. I expect it will be appropriate to maintain a restrictive stance for quite some time to fully restore balance and, you know, get to 2%, blah, blah, blah. So was there much reaction to that? Not not a huge amount. I mean, I think this is just going to be, you know, probably the story of the first six months of 2024, which is that, you know, most of the Fed officials, I suspect, are going to come out and say, you know, we're pretty confident that we're done. So it's not really a question of how high do we have to go. It's now a question of how long do we have to hold at these high levels. And and there's probably just going to be a bit of a battle between the market who, you know, will be really keen to, to sort of pricing cuts as soon as possible. And I suspect the Fed who are probably more of the view that, hold on, maybe just cool your jets a little bit. We're not quite there and, you know, we're not going to relent on on the level of rates until we're really confident that that inflation is where we want it. So um I think he's he's very much singing from, you know, the the version that that Powell talked about um at his most recent speech, which is that, you know, rates are restrictive and we're gonna have to hold them there for perhaps longer than we might have ordinarily done ordinarily done in prior cycles. But I think, you know, we'll we'll get an update on this. Um you know, as these Fed speakers continue to come through. Um, but that would be my sense. It's, it's going to be a bit of a tussle between the market in terms of wanting to to really price in those cuts and get excited about them and perhaps, you know, a, a Fed leadership that's just a little bit more reluctant at the margin. And is there a link between Australian bond yields, which rose quite a bit yesterday and then even more overnight? Is there a link uh, between that and the local data we got yesterday, which, you know, didn't really move mountains, but we did see uh, private housing approvals on the rise. Private sector credit is just still growing, uh, but not quite such the rise for private capex expenditure or plant emissions machinery capex so it looks like we're willing to you know prepare to invest in houses but less so for investing in the growth in businesses yeah well that's the australian Australian, story isn't it but i say the australian disease i was about to exactly say that and then we've got actually coincidentally core logic numbers which out this morning the values have dipped in melbourne down 0.1 percent a slowdown for sydney up 0.3 percent compare that to uh for example 1.9 percent growth for the month in Perth and 1.3% in Brisbane. So they're still going up. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, on the whole, yesterday's numbers were, you know, a a solid group of numbers. They're typically not releases that the market tends to react too much to. So like you said, CapEx, uh, building approvals and credit growth. Um, The CapEx numbers were interesting in the sense that they, you know, at the moment economists are sort of there fine-tuning their forecasts for third quarter GDP, which will be released um, next week. Uh, and and part of the capex um, numbers go pretty much directly into those GDP estimates, and they're suggesting that you know all else being equal, the third quarter GDP numbers look pretty good, and and maybe you know a little bit better than economists had forecast. Now there are a few other data releases that need to come before those forecasts are finalised, but generally I think you know you look at those numbers and say well. You know, for the early indicators of of either the fourth quarter, which was the credit numbers, or what we're learning about the the third quarter, which was the capex numbers, the economy continues to to do okay. Um, and I guess that's you know that's interesting against the backdrop where you know clearly the RBA 
have been very explicit about the fact that the inflation challenge we're facing is is homegrown. And I think, you know, one pretty simple explanation of that is that that probably means they're not done yet. Um, and this was, I guess, you know, pretty supportive of that narrative that the economy is actually proving pretty resilient. And, you know, if that continues to be the case, then I think that that really firms up the forecast that the NAB economics team have for another hike in February. Yeah. Well, someone I know on this podcast last time I said uh, spoke, I said, uh, well, maybe there'll be two. Uh, I don't know who that was. Uh, <laughs> never say never. That's right. So, yeah, never say never. So what about the, the fall in the euro then? I wonder if that is inflation related. We saw those flash numbers coming down more than expected. Uh, I mean, obviously, we got, we got a hint of that yesterday because the because uh, the German inflation numbers were down so much. But the core inflation rate year on year, 3.6%. The forecast was 3.9%. Previously, it was 4.2%. So, And then the month-on-month uh, -month flash rate, actually deflation of half a percent. Yeah, that's down. right. So, you know, finally, feels like we're starting to get um, some better news on inflation in, in the Eurozone. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, my sense would be for, you know, the euro to really have a, you know, a decent run higher, sort of going to have a scenario where, um, you know, we need US dollar weakness, which would probably involve US rate cuts um, and sort of strong growth or better growth outside of the US. Um, and I'm not sure we're really there yet, given, you know, we obviously saw the China PMI number disappoint overnight. And even in Germany, some of the numbers last night, you know, Labor market continues to soften. Retail sales were okay, but broadly the trend's been sort of sideways, sideways in spending in Germany. So I'm not sure we're at the point where you know we'd be convinced that things are starting to turn around in the in the European economy. But you know, having said that, there were some signs with the PMIs last week that maybe things are starting to bottom out a little bit. And you know, I guess currency markets, you know, tend to to want to front run stories and maybe. Um, you know, the one that's giving the euro a bit of a boost is this idea that, you know, inflation's pretty well behaved and, and perhaps we're getting to the point where the worst might be behind us in, in growth in Europe. Um, and if the Fed's, you know, rate cuts are imminent, then that's a pretty bullish story for, for the euro. But like I said, probably, you know, from my perspective, a little bit early to want to, to want to jump on that story, but perhaps that's what's going on with euro strength overnight. Right. And you mentioned uh, that unwinding in China. So those PMI numbers that we got yesterday, manufacturing 49.4, down ever so slightly for 49.5, but the expectation was it would actually rise, but no, mm. it's gone down. Non-manufacturing, the all-important services from 50.6 to 50.2. So that's a that's a bit of a fall, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, the recovery is starting to falter already. Yeah, that's right. So I think those numbers just really reflect this idea that it's a pretty fragile recovery uh, in China. And, and we know that you know, the economy is facing really significant headwinds from property um, we've got softness in domestic demand, softness in in the labour market, um, and so yes, it does. It tells you that you know the government's going to have to keep on going. And look, they have announced you know a couple of considerable stimulus packages, and I suspect you know really the the bulk of the stimulus and the impact on sort of growth numbers and the Chinese economy we probably won't see until the first quarter of 2024. So perhaps it's a little bit too early to. To, to see some of that stimulus reflected in the growth numbers. But yes, I mean, I think, you know, what we're learning is that, you know, the, the Chinese economy is in a pretty fragile state, um, which is interesting given the backdrop that most people are talking about for next year, which is softer growth in the US, softer growth in Europe, so on and so forth. So 
I guess that does raise a few a few question marks around um, the strength of the global economy next year. So uh, today uh, we get the Kaijin Manufacturing PMI for China, of course, New Zealand Consumer Confidence. We get the US ISM Manufacturing number for November, the unemployment rate for Canada as well. So a few numbers out. Uh, Jerome Powell is giving a fireside chat. I always, when I hear, I always imagine he's going to be standing at the fireplace with a, uh, a pipe and slippers on and a smoking jacket with a... <laughs> <laughs> glass of whiskey talking about how great things were in the olden days but uh, we'll, we'll settle for whether he actually th- sees things staying higher for longer or will he give any hint of a cut he's not going to do that is he yeah my guess would be he's going to be pretty consistent in his his comments um and you know i suspect we might hear you know similar similar remarks to those by williams overnight which is that yes we you know happy with where rates are but don't get too excited about the prospect of cuts anytime soon all right very good sally uh thanks for doing all of that we'll catch you again very soon thanks very much phil and later on today you can hear my discussion with nab ceo ross McEwen on the weekend edition which is out this afternoon talking about a whole load of stuff including the need for more housing but where could it go i think one of the first things we need to look at is what are the sites that are close to the facilities that are there the railway stations the tram stations the schools the hospitals where are the sites that could be developed that have been sitting idle for some time there's quite a bit of bit of it around even in central parts of sydney and melbourne but where exactly listening for his thoughts on that plus the state of the economy next year artificial intelligence even working from home we talk about a whole load of stuff that is available for mid-afternoon this afternoon from wherever you got this podcast from so join me for that then back again on monday morning for the weekday edition of the morning call i'm phil dobby for nab thanks for listening have a great weekend